So have anybody, any of you been asking this question yet? What do you want for Christmas? Um, it's been asked a couple times around my house, and uh, um, you know, it's just part of the season how we, uh, we celebrate it with all this giving of gifts. But for me, when I was a boy, one of the most exciting days of the year was when the Sears catalog arrived. Uh, some of you know what, what I'm talking about here, uh, but for the younger people in the crowd, um, I grew up in the Stone Age when there was no such thing as internet. There was no Amazon or any of those kinds of things. And so the Sears catalog was kind of like the Amazon of our day. Uh, it, it was there before the internet, and it was kind of like this, this soft-covered book, and you could buy just about anything out of it. You know, you could order it, you know, you'd have to either send in a, a form, or you could, you know, when we got really fancy, you could call on the telephone and, and place your order, and it would show up at your house in the mail. It was, it was amazing. Uh, and, uh, it, I mean, they sold everything, right? You know, you could buy clothes. There was men's clothing, women's clothing, boys, girls. Uh, you could buy blankets, towels. You could buy a bed or a shed. Um, you could buy all kinds of interesting tools. But what I liked was toys. And so when the, uh, the Sears catalog came, um, my, my sister and my brothers and I would get that and we would get a pen and we would circle the things we want. And just to be really clear, we would put our initials next to it so mom would not buy, you know, the thing that I wanted for my brother. My sister was generally safe. Um, you know, it was like all the girls' toys, you know. I didn't want those. I, I, it was the action figures and all of those kinds of things. And, uh, and, and it was this exciting time. Because we knew that eventually somebody was going to ask, what do you want for Christmas? And then we could go grab the Sears catalog and we could show them the pictures of the things that we wanted. But it, it's a different experience for me these days when I get asked that question, what do you want for Christmas? Because you know, my kids have started to ask me that question now. And... and I find that it's a lot harder to answer. I, I found that I, I can't just circle in a Sears catalog and, and you know, show to my kids. You know, the days of desiring action figures and Tonka trucks are, are, are long gone. And I've reached a point in my life that, that I really don't need stuff. I, I, I have a lot. Already, In fact, I probably should get rid of some of the stuff that I have. And as we grow, we learn, or should learn anyhow, that there are things in life that are more meaningful, more valuable than the tools or the toys that we could get out of the Sears catalog. Things like the love of your family, the sound of your spouse's voice. And there are things even greater than these. Gifts like faith, forgiveness, life. And on a whole other level, the gift of God's Son, who in turn gave himself for us. 
our God gives good gifts. In James 1, verse 7, it says that, that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. He is rich in his generosity. In fact, as I was thinking about that word gift, uh, the word gift in, in Greek in the New Testament is the word charisma. And, you know, we always celebrate as God's people this gift of grace that we received. The, the word for grace is charis. Charisma, charis. And when we receive God's grace, we, we often experience joy with that, right? And that word is kara. Charisma, charis, kara. You know, they're, they're all kind of bound together in this God who, who gives to us the most beautiful, the most wonderful gifts. And during this Advent season, I, I, I want to look at some of those gifts that God gives. These are, according to, to God's way of thinking, good gifts. The, the challenge and, and the, the question that we need to wrestle with as we consider these gifts, though, is this. Do we want the gift God is giving? Or is there something else that we have come to desire more than God's gifts? And so the first first gift we're going to look at today is hope. The first Advent candle is the candle of hope. And perhaps you're thinking, who wouldn't want hope? Hope is, is great. And you would be right. Hope is great. But would you rather have hope or certainty? Would you rather live in hope or in security. Because I think that that's part of what God offers us. You know, I think that most of the time, if we're honest with ourselves, we'd rather have certainty. We'd like to, to have a guarantee that at this time and on this date, we're going to get the thing that we desire. And, and as Christians, the thing that we desire is for Jesus to return, to live with him in glory and, and all of those things. But, but listen to what God says. What he said through his prophet Jeremiah. He says, days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise. Like the specificity on that? In the meantime, do you know what was going on when Jeremiah was a prophet? The kingdom of Judah was falling apart. They're experiencing just terrible things going on in the nation. There's all kinds of moral decay. Uh, there was terrible leadership. It was mostly corrupt. There was greed. There's all kinds of you know, crazy sexual activities going on. There was idolatry, and those two things are connected there. And there was even infant sacrifice. But days are coming. Is that the message that you would want to hear at that point? Or would you rather hear, now, this is the moment and I'm fixing it. But, but that's, that's what's going on. The prophet Jeremiah is there. He's saying, hey, Babylon's coming. They're going to overtake us. We're going to be taken into captivity. But days are coming. And did you notice in our gospel lesson? 
Jesus talks about signs of the end. Perplexity. Distress. Fainting with fear. Foreboding. Everybody wants a little bit more of that in their life, right? And he says, when these things begin to take place, while there is terror, while there is sickness, while it looks like all is lost, straighten up. That doesn't mean behave yourself. Like when we were kids, you know, when when mom and dad would say, straighten up. It literally means stand tall. Lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. In your mind, is that what the moment of redemption looks like? Everything turning to distress, fainting, foreboding? That's not how I usually think about it. But that's what Jesus says. And that's because he gives us a life to live in hope. Hope acts on what our eyes do not see. So our eyes see the chaos. They see the corruption. They see all these things going wrong. But hope, hope acts on God's promises. It looks ahead. And in the darkness, it presses forward, clinging to God's word and his promise. And I would argue that hope Hope is most clearly seen, not when life is easy and good, but when life is hard and ugly. And it is sometimes, isn't it? Hope is Jesus in the garden, facing the cross because he hoped. Not some kind of hope as in wish, but he had solid hope in his father that his father would use his suffering and death to save us. Hope, hope is Jesus giving up his spirit on the cross into his father's hands because he hoped that he would raise him up. Hope is not easy. It's not always pretty but it is always beautiful. I worry sometimes. Just, you know, my own self-examination. But I worry sometimes that we've given up on hope. I worry that we put more hope and confidence in our insurance, our retirement plans, our doctors, medicine, even in our own skills and intelligence. And that hoping in God has become somewhat rather unnecessary. God doesn't work in guarantees. His ways are always perfect, but that doesn't mean that that his ways will lead to our comfort. That's not his priority. He knows that our faith and and, and our character are often formed in the hard experiences of life. 
And he gives us promises. Big promises. Forgiveness of sins. Everlasting life. Resurrection from the dead. He gives faith to receive his promises. And he calls us to follow him. And he usually doesn't bother to tell us where we're going. He tells us, ultimately, that it's a place where there's no more pain, no more sorrow, no more sin, no more death. You can call it heaven. You can call it the new creation. But in my experience, there is plenty of those terrible things on the way. And we need hope to face life, to lift up our heads, to straighten up, because our salvation is near. We look around, and and even when we see devastation, death, and decay, we proclaim God is here. He is with us. Even if we can only manage to do it with a whisper. That's hope. Christmas is coming. Presents are being purchased. They're being picked. They're being prepared. What do you want for Christmas? God's giving hope this year. Do you want it? Do you need it? He gives it through faith in Jesus. And he offers hope to everyone who trusts in him. Amen.